so grateful that you are the God who loves us and watches over us. I pray that you would give us even more understanding of, of how good that is as we think of how we can come to you uh, from wherever we're coming from. We pray that we would do it in such a way that honors you. So fill us with the Holy Spirit as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are doing a uh, series in the Psalms. This is week two of three that we're in right now. I, I do this every year that we're here around the time of Thanksgiving because I like our souls to be reminded how good it is to give thanks and praise to God. And each year as I do this, I like to pick out a psalm that touches on those times in life when things aren't going as well as we would like them to be. Maybe you're going through one of those difficult times right now. And maybe you're not. Uh, but if you're not, I just want to encourage you to listen still because guess what? They're going to come again. Jesus has promised us that, in fact. Now, today's psalm, Psalm 30, is a psalm that King David wrote. And it's interesting because the occasion he wrote it for, the dedication of the temple, was a very joyous occasion. Yet, as we look at Psalm 30, we see that David was going through some really difficult stuff in life. So this psalm stands as a great example for us of what to do when we come into difficult times. But before I get too far into my sermon today, I want you to hear a testimony from someone in our congregation who has had a rough 2017, but has learned some really good things through it. So Craig Rintala, I'd ask for you to come up now. Um, Craig has been through some difficult times, but he has heard God's answer. Craig, why don't you stand on this side? There's a little more room there. And I'll hand you this microphone. So Craig's been through some difficult times. To give you a little bit of background on Craig's story, part of the depths that he went through this year was when his wife decided to leave him. Now, unfortunately, the story of redemption that we're going to hear today doesn't yet get to the point where he and his wife are reconciled. That's what he would like, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're here to talk about today is Craig's story of being in a difficult spot, but then calling out to God. So Craig, I just want to ask you some questions. And uh, first, a little bit of background again. Um, you told me that after receiving Christ, uh, the next 15 years in your marriage were really God-centered years where you had family devotions and it was the goal of, of you and your family to have God at the center of your life. But then something happened and it wasn't like you woke up one morning and said, God, we're, we're done with you. It kind of feels more to me like you've described it as drifting away. Would you maybe just explain for us a little bit how or why you think you drifted away? First, Oh, sorry, did I get you on here? No, there we go. Okay, sorry. Uh, first of all, um, only because of grace, God's grace and mercy can I be standing here and talking with Pastor Eric because uh, I've met with him and Pastor Josh uh, quite a bit this summer and uh, I really didn't think I could be up here speaking about this. Uh, first, I had to ask God for some transparency to want to share and then uh, he provided that. But, uh, also, I, I can't read very good with, without these things, so uh, I, I just made an outline quickly. I hate to read from it, but I don't want to miss a lot of the important things. Um, it's a very good question because whether uh, a one-year believer or a 25-year believer, uh, I think we're all susceptible and also all under attack uh, constantly. Um, I define it as, uh, with many prayers, as a spiritual slumber. That's kind of how I viewed myself. Um, so there was really never a lack of belief or trust in God anymore. Um, some of the contributing factors I be believe that God had brought me to was um, very simple. 
and very subtle. And one event was isolation. Uh, in definition, we were just too alone, too alone. And some of those were um, simply uh, away from the Word of God, um, away from prayer life, um, away from church. I was a church attender. Our family was a church attender. Uh, that is not what God asked from us and not what we're required to do. It's a relationship. So uh, attending church is um, it's almost very deceptive. Uh, you think you're, you're doing what you should be doing, and it certainly led to some of that uh, isolation. Uh, accountability, I have to put right up there, is one of, probably one of the largest uh, contributors um, lack of. Uh, personally, as your own walk, if you don't have an accountability partner, as a family, uh, we were left alone from, uh, so not only in my ex-wife's family as far as for her support, uh, for her times and needs, but also for mine. So, um, in time, just simply time, time away from God left a void that had to be filled with something. And unfortunately, uh, Satan uh, rejoiced in that opportunity and uh, what I call consumed us, just consumed our family. So when you recognized that you had drifted away from God, what did it look like for you to come back to God? And could you maybe even just explain some of the decisions that you made in, in coming back? You know, uh, I define it as I was spared, um, really. Uh, what I really felt was um, there was about uh, a six-month period between from uh, a sense of real loneliness uh, in my home, so for me individually, uh, from God, of course, first. Uh, that desire to return to Him uh, and what I needed to do was a very, very um, difficult hill to climb. So not only as the spiritual leader in my home, um, I was not being fed, I was not feeding my wife, and I was not feeding my family. So um, when that happened, uh, that loneliness, even though you think you have everything that you're uh, created to have and, and uh, aspire to have, was the one thing that seemingly was driving me away from God. Um, so I couldn't provide what I needed uh, for my family. I wasn't um, being able to see the fall because I had nobody around me to do that. And then when I saw my ex-wife uh, hurting and in need and I couldn't provide for her, uh, we ended up, you know, that space and that divide becomes greater. So um, I tried, <coughs> sorry, I tried spending time in the Word uh, as I sensed a need to, and it was just simply that it became um, very shallow, and it was uh, in times where I realized what I needed to do, but my relationship with Christ was uh, was uh, it was hollow. It, it, it just wasn't there. So I was just doing steps in a protocol versus <coughs> relationship. So one of the things that I really did uh, to make steps to move forward to uh, a reunion of Christ is the only thing that I could do that I felt I had control of is that I was changing my input uh, immediately. Where it was, 
every channel of my presets on my vehicle were to a Christian channel. Um, ordering books, even though my relationship and my, my recommitment with Christ at that point had not taken place, I knew where I wanted to go and I knew where I had to be. How have you seen God respond to you as you have been seeking Him again? There isn't an area in my life where I haven't seen it and felt it. So uh, I use one word in that aspect, and that's just uh, not a word. Uh, the picture is I went from everything that I lost, that I felt was most important, that I put in front of God, to the victory of God getting me back. Hmm. And then uh, just... I have some key things here that um, I prayed so much for my marriage hmm. and uh, I put so much emphasis and focus even with as I was restored and redeemed in Christ and felt that presence of the Holy Spirit lifting me up every day to get me out of bed when I felt like there was nothing really to go for because I had lost it all. That in essence became where I needed to change and that was my perspective so my perspective changed it wasn't the loss it was what he had already blessed me with and what the memories that I had of my family and my relationship with my wife those can never be taken from Satan what I had to do was realize the work that I needed to put forward uh, to show my family and my kids that Christ that we had lived in was the first priority and the first value of a family. So, um, one of the things that I felt like was perspective, too, is uh, I was saved from a spiritual death with the family. Um, the life we lived could not glorify God in any fashion whatsoever. Um, and I don't know that answer. I, someday I'll, I'll ask God when I see Him. Um, we were tolerating life instead of thriving with Christ. Uh -huh. And then um, in this reunion, uh, I realized words are vocabulary changes as a believer. You either hear it from somebody or your own words change. And they go from can't, won't, tried, um, <coughs> impossible, and happiness to hope and peace and grace hmm. and mercy and joy. And the joy is only from God. Uh, the happiness, as I've uh, realized, changes every day, many, many times a day. But the joy sustains and is provided by God. So it's been a long process, but I just want to say thank you to the church, uh, all that I know and don't know, and pastors, and the great resources we have. Because one of the hardest things to do was to walk through this door. Yeah. Yep. Satan, uh, until the minute I sat in this chair, Satan fought me. Yep. Huh. Praise God. Cool. Yeah, thank, thank you, Craig. Thank, thank you for sharing your story. And, you know, I just want to say a couple things. One is, I've heard other people say the same thing, that it can be so hard to come through the doors after you, you felt like your life didn't go the way you wanted it to and then to show up here. And please know, uh, this is a place that you can come and, and worship and find people who love you. And, um, and then the second thing I wanted to say is um, Craig and I were talking once and um, I was so encouraged that you 
as you were sharing your story, you talked about feeling like the prodigal son when he returned. That, that when the, remember how the father responded to the prodigal son. He ran to him, threw his arms around him and celebrated. And, and that's how Craig felt, that, that yes, there was that period of, of drifting away, and, and may, it, may it never happen to any of us. I think, right, amen? May it never happen to any of us. But when, when you felt God tapping on your heart and, uh, and came back to him, you felt the love of God as well. And I just want to encourage you all with that, that that's who our God is. Um, so that's just one story of, of a difficult thing that we can go through in life. And, and we all have them. We all have difficult things. The question is, what will we do when those difficult times come? Psalm 30 gives us a great roadmap. In fact, the reason I picked Psalm 30 is because this is one of the psalms that Craig showed to me as he was talking about his journey back to God. So I was so encouraged by it that I wanted to study it and, and uh, give it to you in a sermon. So I want to read Psalm 30. A psalm, a song, for the dedication of the temple of David. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. So what I want to do now with the rest of this sermon is I want to walk through Psalm 30 in, in three parts. And then after I've done that, I want to recap it by looking at this psalm in light of Jesus. So in the first part of my sermon, I want to look at the difficulties Let's take a look at some of the difficulties and some of the emotionally charged words in Psalm 30. In verse 1, David talked about being in the depths. He also talked about his enemies. Now, we don't know exactly what time of life David wrote this psalm, although we could look back at the life of David and find a lot of really difficult stuff that he went through. For example, um, both his king, King Saul, and his son Absalom tried to kill him, so I imagine that's a pretty low spot in life. Um, but then also we have those times in life where David was in difficult spots due to his own sin. We have there the example of his adultery with Bathsheba and how he tried to cover it up with murder. We also have that time where David sinfully counted the fighting men of Israel and as a result the punishment was that God sent a plague that killed 70,000 Israelites. Could you imagine having that hanging over your head? The death of 70,000 people because of your sin. So um, what we see there really is, is two different um, scenarios. One that David had no control over. There, there were people that were attacking him. And sometimes for us, that's where our difficulties come. When life just happens to us, and we can't do anything about it. And then the other set of difficulties was, was one that David got into himself because of his own sinful actions. And we need to know what to do there. But I want to acknowledge up front that there, sometimes it's our fault and sometimes it's not. And, and I think Psalm 30 actually has something to say to, to both of those kinds of scenarios. And we'll talk more about that as we go. Um, 
in verse 3, David was talking about being in the grave and being in danger of going into the pit. Now, perhaps you could say that David was exaggerating, but we've all been in those difficult times in life where it feels like despair. And then in verse 5, David talked about God's anger. There were times when, when David faced punishment from God due to his own sin. And then David also talked about weeping in verse 5. Uh, we've all gone through times in life that bring us to tears for David. One example of that was when he lost his best friend, Jonathan. And maybe that's part of your difficult season in 2017 was losing somebody. As we move on in verse 7, uh, David felt dismayed at this idea that God had hidden his face from him. We'll talk about more, uh, more about that one in a moment. Then in verse 9, David talked about there was this anguish of soul as he was questioning, what good is it if I die, basically? And I think what we see here in verse 9 is part of the limited understanding of the afterlife in the book of Psalms. There's a couple places where we get some really good understanding of it, but there's other places where we see the psalmist kind of struggling with this idea of death because it looks so final. In fact, I would like to remind you that our world sees death as as a tragic end. You watch the media and not so much like if they're talking about somebody who died at 95 after a full life, but if, if there's a story about somebody who died young, our media portrays it as kind of this meaningless tragedy. And, and if we're not careful, we can view death like that. I think that's what David was kind of thinking here at times, and as shown by this verse. But God has something much better for us, even in death, and we'll talk about that in a moment as well. And in verse 11, uh, still talking about the difficulties in life, David talked about his wailing. Uh, he'd also already talked about his weeping. Um, we see that David was going through some really tough stuff. Now, what about you? What stuff are you going through? As you think about maybe the year 2017 in general, or as you think about maybe even just this past week, there's been tough stuff that has come up. What is it that has, has gone on in your life? And again, like I said at the beginning of this service, I don't ever feel like we should have to pretend that tough stuff isn't tough. That's not the message of Christianity. The the message is that God will be with us as we seek him, but the message is not that we would pretend that tough stuff isn't tough. So what is it that you have gone through? And if you're going through something right now, please know that you can talk to God about it. Look what David did here. He wrote a psalm about his difficult times. And one of the amazing things to me about Psalm 30 is that even though there's all these really difficult words that we just walk through, overall it is a psalm of praise. So yes, we will go through trouble. And and again, I mentioned this before. Jesus promised us that we'll go through trouble. Let me show you that verse. Jesus said in John 16, 33, In this world you will have trouble promise. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So the question isn't whether we'll go through difficult times or not. The question is what we will do when they come. So what do you do? Do you complain? For some of us, maybe that's our weakness, so we go right to complaining. Or perhaps you retreat into self-pity. And self-pity is really, it's that, that time where we close in on ourselves and we think how we deserve things better, and we, we whine or we, we mope. Or perhaps you find other people who are going through tough times and you drag each other down. Now that, that one's sad to me because we're supposed to be able to go to each other for encouragement, but sometimes we go to each other, uh, to people who are struggling, and we just drag each other down. So what do you do? Do you struggle with any of those? What should we do? Well, that is 
uh, what leads us into the second part of the sermon, we should call out to God. And this is one of my favorite things about the book of Psalms, is that we can call out to God from wherever we are. So many times, in many different Psalms, we see people crying out to God. That is the thing to do in our troubles. Let's look at it here in Psalm 30. In verse 2, David said, O Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. Now obviously this is written in hindsight, and it, it may have taken some time for David to realize where he was at, and to call out to God, and then to realize that he had seen God's answer. But I'm encouraged by this, that this is the pattern for us, that we can call out to God and receive help and healing. Similarly, in verse 8, David said, To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. Now, that word mercy at the end of verse 8 could probably better be translated as grace, because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the, the favor of God shown to us as we seek him. David learned a lot of things in life, and um, some of them he learned by trial and error. Emphasis on the error. Uh, one of the most difficult things for me theologically in the Bible is how do, we, how do we deal with these people in the Bible who were supposed to be spiritual leaders, even some of them who wrote scripture, yet we look at scripture and we see their failings. And we see so many of their failings. So how, how should we look at King David in regard to this? Well, one of the things that we have to respect about King David is that he took his problems to God. So many of the psalms are written by David, and, and in so many of them, the theme is calling out to God in the midst of difficulty. You see, David had a lot of problems, and even many of them he brought on himself, but look what he did with them. He called out to God for mercy, and who gets the glory then when the situation turns around? God does. Um, I was emailing Daryl Griffin this week. We were, we were talking about David, and he made this beautiful point that there are so many failings that we see in the Old Testament. The, the story is not about human heroes. The, the story, if anything, points ahead to a hero, Jesus Christ, who would come. And in all of that, God gets the glory. This is different than, than other religions, where there are religious heroes. Our heroes had horrible failings. But what did they do? David here took them to God. So that's one of the best lessons that we can learn in life, that we should call out to God when we are in trouble, even if we are the ones who caused the trouble. Similarly, in verse 10, David said, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. Again here, the, the idea of mercy is, is more the idea of grace. Grace is the favor that God shows us. It is an undeserved gift. And whether we're looking at David's life or our own life, we should recognize that we do not deserve this favor from God. And this is spelled out beautifully in John 3.16. Why did God send Jesus? You can answer that. Why did God send Jesus in John 3.16? Because he so loved the world. It's not because we had figured it out. It's not because we had finally cleaned ourselves up to the point where God could say, now I can stand you. No, it was that we had messed things up and that God sent Jesus because he loves us. So please don't feel like you have to earn God's love. If you're far from him, please know that, that God sent Jesus so that we could be drawn back to him. It's because God is gracious and compassionate that we can call out to him. And it's to his glory to answer us when we call out to him. But let me say a couple of things as we... Uh, wrap up this point about calling out to God. First, God will hear us when we call out to him unless we are still embracing our sin. 
it would be really interesting to me to, to send out a survey and to ask people uh, the question, does God have to hear our prayers? Now, <coughs> in his sovereignty, of course, God knows everything. He knows the words uh, that are, he knows our words before they're even on our tongue. But theologically, does God have to hear our prayers? There are lots of verses in the Bible that tell us that God will not hear our prayers if we are embracing our sin. So please know that this idea of calling out to God, it's not just calling out to God any which way we please. If there's sin in our lives, we need to flee from it. And the, the way that we call out to God is in repentance, if that's, if that's where we're at. Um, and we'll talk more about that one next Sunday because it's such an important idea to, to flee from our sin as we seek God. But then the second thing I want to say about calling out is just a question for us. Why would we or would we not call out to God in the midst of our troubles? Look at verse 6 again. David said, When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Now, there's two different ways we could take that. Um, the wrong way to take that would be to say that we can feel secure in ourselves. And we have to be careful with this one because I think that this is what our world tempts us to think about ourselves, that we can handle it, that, that, that we can do this. Your, your life is about you doing the best that you can, and really, you've got what you need on your own to do it. You, you might need to look within yourself to find it, but you can find it. And if you find it, you'll be secure. Well, let me tell you something. That is a false security. We were not created to make it through this world on our own, with our own power, our own strength. The right way for us to feel secure is to feel secure in God, to know that we can call out to Him in our time of trouble. And if that's our security, then we are very secure in God. So I don't know exactly which way David meant it here, and I think David probably lived on both sides of that fence at times in his life, but the better way to do it is when we call out to God. So the application here, do you call out to God or do you trust in your own strength? Again, we will be tempted to think that we can handle things on our own. And here's the sad part about that. If we think that we can handle it on our own, we're not going to call out to God for help. We won't think we need Him. And again, that's what this world teaches us to do. That's how the world teaches us to live. Think back to Craig's story when uh, after that 15-year period when, when you started to drift away from God, um, was the world telling you to go back to God? Maybe you had some Christian friends that were urging you to do that, but uh, for the most part, um, the world tells us to do this in our own strength. And I just want to remind you that is a false security. But let's move on now to the third part of this sermon. And that is that we should praise God. We should praise God. Now this psalm is fascinating to me in this regard because in the first part of my sermon we walked through all those difficult words in Psalm 30, yet Psalm 30 overall is a psalm of praise. In fact, look where David started. I will exalt you, O Lord. I will, I will recognize that you are the high and mighty one. I will lift up your name. So in this sense, Psalm 30 is not first and foremost about David's difficulties. It is about God's praiseworthiness in the midst of his difficulties. And that is a life lesson that I want us all to learn. That God is praiseworthy in the midst of our troubled times. Now, do you recognize that? Or do you focus more on your troubles than on God's goodness when things are going tough for you? Similarly, in verse 4, David said, Sing to the Lord, you saints of his, praise his holy name. 
Now, I think that one of the reasons that David wrote Psalm 30 is because he learned a lesson or two about calling out to God, and he wanted to encourage his brothers and sisters to call out to God as well. And we all need that reminder. That's one of the reasons I do this psalm series every year. It's a reminder for me, a reminder for you, that we should call out to God wherever we are coming from. We go to Him in praise. Now, like I said before, um, sometimes we throw ourselves a pity party. Or sometimes we find other people who are struggling and we drag each other down. But one of the things I like about David is that he reminds us to go to God and to sing praises to Him. It is a great life lesson to praise God when things are difficult, and the sooner you learn it, the better. Then in verses 11 through 12, David said, You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. So David started with wailing, but it turned into joy and dancing. David's response was to commit to singing to God, that his heart would give glory to God and that he would give God thanks forever. And I hope and pray that that is our heart attitude, that we will recognize whatever we're going through, that God is worthy of praise. Now, in our difficult times, we'll be tempted to think that God doesn't care, but he does care. And if we call out to him, we will see his goodness. Even if praising seems out of place to you, I want you to know that it's the right thing to do. Sometimes in our self-pity or our despair, the last thing that we want to do is praise God. Anybody ever been there? We've all been there, right? That's where I want you to remind yourself that God is worthy of our praise, even if he doesn't feel like it to you. We can praise God in any situation. We can praise God as we call out to Him. We can even praise God before we see His answer. God is worthy of praise. And when we praise God in the midst of our difficulties, it brings perspective to our difficulties. David could write in verse 5 that God's anger lasts only a moment, but that His favor lasts a lifetime. And although weeping might remain longer than we would like it to, it can be quickly replaced with rejoicing. And a perfect place to go to remember this is to the cross. Remember, Jesus told His followers that they would grieve at His crucifixion, but He also told them that their grief would turn to joy. So it's because of the resurrection of Jesus that we know that there is joy on the other side. And I think that when we're going through our difficulties, we forget that. But that's why I want us to remember the cross and to remember that God has done everything necessary to bring us joy. And it's a joy that will last forever. That should help us with trouble that we go through. It reminds us that our trouble is temporary. But there's something unseen that is eternal. And even though it's unseen, it can bring us joy to know that God is with us. He will help us in the midst of our difficulties. God loves to give mercy and grace to his children. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent it for that tough stuff that we go through. God wants us to know that he cares deeply about us and that we can call out to him. Now again, in our calling out, that means that we must not embrace sin. So that's where we have to investigate our hearts. And, and again, we'll talk more about this next Sunday. But as we call out to God, we should flee from sin. But sometimes our difficulties come just because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes our difficulties are just that stuff happens to us and, and we have no control over it. And please know, if that's what you're going through, 
that God loves to comfort his children. And whatever God allows us to go through, he also wants to go through with us. If, if we will seek him and trust in him and commit to doing things his way. That's what I call the biggest blessing in the Bible is the blessing of God with us. And it is not just a blessing that waits until heaven. It is a blessing for right now as we seek God in the midst of our difficulties. Now I know that some of you are going through difficult times right now and I want you to remember that if you praise God in the midst of your difficulties, your heart will be closer to God. And, and that's perhaps one of the main reasons I do this psalm series every year is so that I can repeat to you year after year and, and, and week after week as we're doing this sermon series that a thankful heart is a heart that stays close to God. I can imagine for David that it was perhaps difficult for him to call out to God as he was going through these troubled times. And I can imagine for us, because I've been through it, that when we go through difficult times, maybe we don't want to praise God. Maybe we feel like God is the problem. But is that true? Of course not. God is not the problem. The problem is that we have failed to see things the way that he wants us to. What's the answer? That we would call out to God. And that as we call out to him, we would praise him. So, so that's the three steps of this psalm. There, there was lots of difficulty going on. But David sets an example for us of calling out to God. And as he called out to God, he praised him. And as David did that, he found his answer. He found his joy. Again, weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. His wailing was turned into dancing and joy. And that can happen for us as well as we call out to God. So will you praise God in the midst of your troubles? Now I want to do one more thing, and I mentioned this before. Um, as we look at Psalm 30, I want to look at it in light of Jesus. I read a theologian, a commentary this week um, from a theologian named James Johnston. In it, he said that Psalm 30 is best understood in light of Jesus. And he said so for a couple of reasons. For one, in, in the superscript, or the, the introduction to, to Psalm 30, you could call it verse 0. Um, it's actually part of scripture. Here's what it says. A psalm, a song for the dedication of the temple of David. Historically, it's kind of hard to figure out which dedication of the temple it's talking about here. Um, but this theologian, James Johnson, says it probably best fits Jesus. That Jesus called himself the temple and that Psalm 30 can be seen as a psalm of dedication as he prepared to offer himself on the cross for our sins. Similarly, in verse 3, talks about being brought up from the grave and being spared from going down into the pit. Um, King David hadn't yet died when he wrote this. And the, the language of verse 3, the specific language here, actually fits better somebody who had died. Because at the end of that, it, the word spared could perhaps better be translated as restored. So what we see here in verse 3 actually fits really well with the life of Jesus. That yes, he died, but he was not abandoned to the grave. He wasn't there long enough to see decay because his life was restored after going to the grave. Or think about verse 7 in light of Jesus. Uh, that part where it says, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. Now, let's think about sin for a moment. Jesus didn't have any sin of his own, but, but he took our sin penalty upon himself. And th the penalty for our sin, the consequence of sin, is separation from God. So even though Jesus had never sinned, he felt the consequence of it as he was on the cross. He felt that hiding of God's face. Remember when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
this helps us understand some of our trials. When we sin, and, and maybe we feel that, that bitterness of being separated from God or that, that isolated loneliness, that stuff that Craig kind of talked about of being too far away from God, it should be a reminder for us that sin does not lead to life. The only way that we can have life is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as we trust in him for what he has already done for us. So if we have sinned, we should remember the cross. We should remember that we need not be separated from God anymore, but that we can call out to God, we can repent of our sins and come to him. Jesus went through death for us so that we could have life. And in that sense, Psalm 30 is a song of rejoicing in what God has done for us. As we look at it in light of Jesus, we see that we have a lot to rejoice in. And again, it's amazing to me. This psalm certainly has lots of elements of difficulty in it, but, but overall, it is a psalm of praise. And similarly, for us, we go through lots of stuff in life, lots of junk. We could easily spend the rest of the day just talking to each other about all the, the stuff that's hard in life. We all go through it. But in light of Jesus, we can take it all to God and trust that he will bring us through. But the question is, will we see our lives in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus? Is that how we are going to view our difficult times? I love Romans 6 more on this. It says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, get theological for just a second here. When it talks about baptism here, I don't think it's talking about water baptism. I think that this baptism is talking about uh, the union that we have with Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit does in us the moment that we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Now, water baptism then is a symbol of what has happened. And water baptism is a step of obedience that every believer should take. But I think the baptism we're talking about here is the baptism that happened to us when we received Jesus, that we, we were buried with him, we died with him to that old way of life. But just as he was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. Because he died, we are dead to sin. Because he lives, we have new life in Christ. So do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Have you received him as your Savior and Lord? If so, you have new life. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it because sometimes we get focused on all those troubles and difficulties that come our way. But we do have new life in Christ. We don't have to wallow in death. We don't have to let the difficulties of life define us. We can call out to God for help and grace and mercy. And as we call out to him, let's remember the lesson of Psalm 30, let's call out to him in praise to remember that he is good, even if the stuff we're going through isn't good. But that's countercultural to call out to God in praise in the midst of our difficult times. This world will tell us to do other stuff. And it's not only countercultural; it, it goes against the flesh or the sinful nature, which would tempt us to wallow in self-pity or to go into despair or to find somebody else who's struggling and to go spiraling down with them. I hope you've seen today that we have a much better choice. We can call out to God and we can praise him. So if you have troubles, remember the resurrection of Jesus. Remember that everything has been done so that we can have joy. 
God will give it to us. He gives it to us through the Holy Spirit. He gives it to us as we walk with Jesus. And we can remember that the difficulties in life are only temporary, but life is eternal in Jesus Christ. God is near. We can call out to him, and we should praise him. Let me read two verses as we close. James 4.8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. I love that promise. I love it. God comes near to us as we call out to him. But remember the last part of the verse as well. It says, Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. As we call out to God, we need to flee from sin. That's an important part of calling out to him. And then one more verse, Psalm 145.18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Let's be people who call out to God in the midst of our difficulties. Again, I like to say this every year as a reminder that when you go through tough stuff in life, you can call out to God and you can receive His answer. Let's be people who call on Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise You that You hear our prayers when we call out to You in truth. And God, uh, we know that sometimes our difficulties are caused by our own sin. Uh, So we pray that You would give us the strength to repent of that. And then God, uh, whether it's as we repent from sin or whether we just come to you because uh, the circumstances of life are difficult, we pray that we would call out to you and trust that you are able to help us and heal us and give us joy. We pray that as we call out to you that we would praise you. God, I pray that whatever goes on in our lives that we would never forget that you are praiseworthy. And Lord, I want to pray specifically for those people who are really struggling. Maybe it's through uh, depression Maybe it's through difficult circumstances of life. Maybe it's struggling in, in response to sin, as consequence of sin. God, may we be people who come to you and receive your answer. Thank you, God, for your willingness to hear us and to be with us in the midst of our difficulties. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.